you have your Bible this morning, I want to ask you to turn to two portions of scriptures. First Thessalonians chapter 5, and then we'll be going from there to Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, I'd like to say this morning, there are, there are many needs today. There is a need that the lady is in our congregation this morning. But uh, uh, she's headed to Mayo Clinic in just a few days. And there's a tremendous amount of, of financial challenges before she can go. And I just want you to know that uh, if you feel led to give to this need, I want you to mark your check called special sharing. I will have our check in the offering box. There's an offering box on each side of the uh, uh, sound booth as you walk through. And you, if you'll just mark your check special or if you have cash and you, that you want to give to this need, well, just mark it. And so Carolyn will know where it goes. And uh, we're going to make sure that we help in this needful hour. Awesome, awesome, awesome times. We met our new youth pastor. He's already on his way. And uh, he said these words to me. I wish I was with your group today. He said, I really am, but my body's still traveling with uh, the group that I've been serving. And uh, then we went to uh, the ball game Friday night, and we stopped by Chick-fil-A, a a great place to stop and eat a sandwich on the way to the ball game, and a good place to refresh on the way home. And uh, Jenny was in the and the drive-thru, and she rolled down her glass. She said, why are there so many people from ceiling stopping by? And we said, well, we're just passing through. I said, the most popular word in ceiling in my circle is when. When are they going to get here? And she said, we can hardly wait. So we're going to honor, honor uh, them, their family. They're leaving First Assembly and Enid to come and share with us. And uh, it's an awesome privilege to, we just want you to be here uh, Two weeks from Sunday, enjoy the message he's going to be preaching to us, and then we're going to have lunch here at the church, and we're going to have an awesome time as we get acquainted with uh, our new youth pastor. I'm going to talk to you this morning uh, as we pause. I don't know whether you're like me, you're trying to keep the television off because you don't want to be humiliated or you don't want to get mad and angry as we watch our our presidential uh, election come nearer each day, and uh, as we watch how people spend their time digging in the trash bag, digging up dirty laundry of other people's lives. And uh, believe it or not, politicians are not the only one that do this. Uh, I even have family members that like to dig in my trash can and expose my dirty linens. But let me tell you something about things that happened in my past. I've asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my past. I've asked him. I, I have failed miserably in times gone by. And the Bible tells me when I ask him to forgive me as far as the east is from the west, my sins are forgiven. However, it doesn't work that way always with people. Sometimes people just can't turn loose of our dirty linens. How we wish they would get paralysis or become paralyzed so they couldn't reach that far down and get our dirty linens. But just some way, somehow, they seem to be so successful in showing our dirty linens. I see this even in the political reign. And, and can I say this? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, I'm no different than you. I fail many times. Ronnie Trammell put me under the pew this morning in the Sunday school class. We had a tremendous lesson as James Robinson uh, poured his heart out and challenged the church to become what it's called to be, not a bless me club, but to make a difference in our community and let God make a difference in our life to set us free from bondage and sin so that we can be on 
fire that we can be, have the transforming spirit living within us. And then he mentioned these words that put me under the pew. He said, sometimes we're like uh, traveling through a work zone and uh, there's no workers around and we just kind of travel. We get used to traveling through that. And, you know, he said, we kind of ignore things unless there's people working. And he said, then one day there, we see the trooper's car and then we make sure that we look good as we go by him. And until we get out of his sight, we look real good. And then we proceed to go back where we were. Guilty, 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 guilty. Yesterday, 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 yesterday. We're work in progress this morning. I have no stones to throw and neither do you. And people that walk through these doors for the first time are looking for some hope. This world has lost hope in humanity. And, and as we look at our candidates today I, that are being chosen for the, our next president, I just wish there was a better choice. I just wish that there was a, something better to choose. But let me say this. Don't stay at home because things aren't quite like you'd like to adjust them. It's important that we go and we vote our convictions. It's important that we stand up and be counted no matter who's running. You say, well, pastor, how do we do that when we're living in a world upside down? Well, look at the candidate. Are they for abortion or are they against it? That's murder. Are, are they for uh, uh, same-sex marriage or are they against it? And, and, and let your conv- the convicting power of the Holy Spirit talk to you. Are they for immorality or are they blessing uh, uh, immorality? Today is a day that you and I must must examine ourselves and ask, our, ask the Lord to give us strength to vote for the candidate that's as near to our calling and election that there is. Nobody's pure, nobody's, nobody's perfect. But as America today, we're living in a world that's upside down. I don't have to tell you that. Morality's gone out the window. Everything is okay. There's no right or no wrong. If it feels good, just do it. Even in the Bible days, there was a day when the world just said, even the followers of Jesus, let's just eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we're going to die. How sad. And we're living in a hopeless hour today. And it seems like the rules that, that are for one are not for all. Okay, I want to tell this church, one day we're all going to stand before the righteous judge. He's not going to go on hearsay. He's looking at our heart today, and he knows whether we're doing the right thing or whether we're doing the wrong thing. There'll be nobody to blame when Orville White stands before God Almighty and gives an account for the way I've lived and the things that I've done. And there's nothing that can take the place of obedience. Obedience obedience you know i'm not i'm not here to be famous i'm not here to uh to to be known by mankind but i can tell you one day when i stand before god i want to hear him say well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the lord there's going to be two responses from the king of kings and the lord of lords the judge that stands on the throne he chose us he ordained us he put us in america he chose our family he saw your end before he said you're worth it and he created you in his own image put his same spirit the same spirit that rose that raised jesus Jesus from the dead lives in every one of us today. It's alive. He, he wants it to become alive. He wants it to be well. But one day when we stand before God, here's two responses. He'll either say, I know you, or I know you not. And there's he- as much as I like to talk about heaven, there's a hell. 
Hell has been prepared for the devil and his angels. However, the Bible says it's had to enlarge its, its habitat because there's many going that direction. I want to stand before you this morning. The Bible says that he that hath clean hands and a pure heart will go to the top of the mountain. I don't know about you, but I want to go to the top of the mountain, and I want to go with you because you're my church family. I want to stand with you this morning, and I want to love on you, and I want to encourage you, and I want to tell you how special you are. But listen to me. There's nothing like the cleansing blood of Jesus that washes whiter than snow. There's nothing like the confidence of knowing, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. If you should come before the morning sun breaks the, the, the dawning of a new day, my hands are clean and my heart is right and I'm heaven bound because I love you with my heart, soul, mind, body, and strength and I've been to the blood of Jesus and the blood, the cross and the blood of Jesus washes me and from all of my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. No charge for the first message. Let's go to the next one. You have your Bible? I want to look to, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. It's where we're going to begin. And let me ask this question this morning as maybe uh, our launching point for the message today. Who are we? And what do we need to do? Who are we? And what do we need to do? I ministered a few weeks ago on our church being a full service church. I talked to you about how we, the, the outreaches of this church touches the widows and the orphans, how our bus ministry penetrates this community and the surrounding area. I talked about how you work together when there's a problem in the area, in, the, in our family or in this community, and how you women prepare the message. You preach louder from the kitchen than sometimes when I stand on this on this platform and minister to hurting families. The spirit that you carry in that, ca- in that kitchen is, a, is a, a spirit that is contagious because you're expressing the power and the joy in Jesus' name. You're not complaining because we're doing a service for somebody that didn't have a family, so they knew our pastor, and so they asked him to do it. Didn't Jesus go about doing good and healing all that were oppressed to the devil? Why did he do it? Because God was with him. And I watch you as you... As you, as you reach out beyond your own comfort zone. I see people uh, driving vans and, and church buses on Wednesday night, reaching out. Their grandchildren on the, aren't there. Their, their children have, have graduated and have their own kids. But you're devoting time to reaching out to families who need Jesus. And we're touching children. We're touching families we're giving, you're, you're such a, a generous group. We have uh, a missionary in, in Siberia that is almost totally dependent on this church in the past two years. And you've been so generous with your funds. And you've funded the, that the word of God could be preached in Siberia. We have a missionary that has an orphanage in Ukraine and a Bible school in Israel. And you've been so generous to help these people. And then the phone rings on a continuous basis, Pastor, our electricity and our gas has been shut off just this past week an elderly lady from this church faithful as could be until her health is diminishing she's just a few days from eternity her grandchildren called and said grandma's gas and electricity has been shut off 
And because of the blessings of God and because of your generosity, we're not able to help everybody, but we've been able to help a few people. You're such a generous, it's called a full service. And you offer yourself as a service to the Lord. And one day he's going to look on the, on the scoreboard, and, and it's not by works lest any man should boast. Listen, works will not get us to heaven. You didn't hear me. Works will never get us to heaven. I can be so full of good works and still miss the mark. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but making Jesus Lord of my life will get me into heaven. Salvation, the plan of God, the redemption blood, submitting myself to the Lord is what gets me to heaven. But once you get in, he's going to open the book, and he's going he's to bless according to what you've applied how you've invested your life, how you've spent your life helping and blessing and ministering and, and being involved and helping a church become what it is today. And the reason that this church is what it is today is because of you, because of our forefathers, because of our people that began this church in the early 1900s. And I rejoice today to have a small part in what God has done here in, in Elm Grove. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, Verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to look at that closely this morning because I have several points that I want to uh, highlight from this scripture today. May the Lord, may the God of peace sanctify himself himself sanctify you completely. God wants me to tell you this morning that he wants to do a complete job in all of our life. When it's complete, it's complete. When our life, when we draw the last breath here on earth, our life will be complete here on this earth. That's all of it. But Jesus wants to step into our life and he wants to sanctify our lives completely. And then he says, may your whole spirit, not part of your spirit, not just a piece of your life, but may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to look at the three parts of you and I this morning. Our body is a tabernacle, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our body, our body deteriorates along with time. It shows age. It shows maturity. Sometimes it shows our childhood days. But it's an expression of the house that houses our spirit inside of our spirit inside of this house is our spirit and God has put our, his spirit inside of us so he can talk to us he makes contact with our spirit I never have heard an audible voice but I know he speaks 24 7 it's not how, whether he speaks or not it's how good we're listening so that's two parts. The house we live in is what you're looking at this morning many people know the house by what, what I look like but many people know the guy that lives in the house. And then there's, there's a spirit that I've just mentioned to you that God makes contact with. And then I want to talk to you about the soulish man, which is the mind, the will, the emotion, the part that's under, under construction today. And, the, and this is also a, a reflection of the tabernacle. In the old days, uh, there was a tabernacle where, 
meant for the house of God, where the once a year the high priest the holy, had the holiest of holies, where you could go in and get forgiveness of your sins. Your sins would be taken to the holiest of holies once a day. There was the outer temple where the sun would shine. Everything was exposed in the outer outer courts. Then there was the inner court where the the laver, where the wash bowl was there, where you could wash your hands and cleanse your house, so, uh, your hands so that they would be clean. And then there was the inner court. The inner court of our life this morning is where the Spirit of the Lord dwells, but there's another area that I want to talk to you that, that concerns the Spirit. It's what many times controls the Spirit, and it's called our soulish man, our mind, our will, and our emotion. The, Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. I want you to think for, for just a moment. What kind of a mind did Jesus have when he walked this earth? What kind of a mind? Jesus went about doing good. There was no big I's and little U's. There was, there was, everybody was met with the, by the same Jesus. He didn't change frequency to meet one group and then use another. Man, it's the reflection of Jesus today as we reflect upon it. He spent 30 years getting ready for a three-year ministry. And as he spent time, he, he just enjoyed allowing his spirit to flood fill and overflow other people because the Bible says he was the only one that ever walked this earth without sin. He, had, he did not have to deal with the carnal mind. He knew that he had the mind of his father. He said, I do nothing except I see the father doing it. And our mind is where the battle is won or lost. Our mind is where the enemy begins to perpetrate so that he can try to affect our soulish man, our, our spirit man. He wants to bring infection with fiery darts into our thinking so we can think things other than what the Bible says we're able to think on. The Bible says whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Do you know the Bible tells us how to think? How many have ever did this? If I just had it to do over and your thought life begins to penetrate the things, the days have gone, they've gone by and regrets begin to build. And if you allow that thinking process to take you very far and you've made as many mistakes as I have and you've made some, as many wrong turns as I've turned, uh, I've turned uh, you can get very depressed. But depression only comes through wrong thinking. Yes. Thinking will get us in trouble every day. And here's what the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And you know, a bad thought will not take you to the sinful pathway unless you just keep meditating on it, and then you, it will not take you into sin until you follow it. And once you have conceived, then you are in trouble. We're in trouble. And the thought process is the thought process that God wants to work on today. He wants you to know that he's came that you can have life and have it more abundantly. But he's left part of the work to you and me. We control our thought life. Have you ever thought about this? Nobody can change your thought life. Nobody can cause you to think the way that they think unless you, they have the influence on you and you take on their load and you begin to think. It's called being influential. Have you had an influence on this lady that's with you this morning? Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Have you had an, have you had an influence on this man? At, at times. I, Sherry, would I agree with that? 
Yeah, being, influ- flu- being, flu- being influential and causing people to think like we think. I watched, uh, I watched our football team the past two games, and they called the game way before it was over because of the score. And I watched the boys as they work hard. They get out, and the coach, every now and then, he'll call a timeout, and they'll huddle, and he'll encourage them. He'll tell, some thing, tell them some things that he wants to do, and they go back to the field, and they apply that. And I, and I was sitting there Friday night, and I was watching the boys every so often as they'd come to the edge of the field, and he would pour in some instruction he wanted them to do. And, and I picked up on this. The boys love the win, but love, they love playing for the coach that's coaching them. And I'm only your coach this morning. I can't call the game for you, but I trust that I can encourage you, that I can bless you, that I can be there in this time of the storm. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. It's those times that we're under the attack. It's those times when the enemy comes to kill and steal and destroy that we need to know what to do and not entertain wrong thinking, but begin to meditate on what the Word of God has to say. And we're going, to pull some, we're going to draw some things from the Scripture this morning from a man or two that knew how to handle things. In the, in the book of Job, there was a man that was righteous without sin. He was a man that became very wealthy. I think he had, he had seven sons and three daughters. And, and anyhow, God just blessed him until he was a rich man. And he, he was a praying man. But one day, he lost all of his wealth. He lost all of his children. And then that wasn't good enough. He lost his health. And we see Job sitting in a pile of ashes one day, scraping the boils off of his, off of his flesh. And his wife is looking on the pitiful scene. And she says to her husband, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Where did that thought come from? Satan. When he lost it all, his wealth was gone. He was bankrupt. That wasn't good enough. He had lost all of a tornado had hit the house where all of his kids was having a, a party. And the Bible says all four, four corners of the house gave way and the roof came down and crushed his entire family. His children, no chance for grandchildren, and then his health is gone. And he's sitting in the misery called life, and his best friend says, why don't you curse God and die? And here's Job's response. Honey, now that's not in the Bible. I'm going to help Job out. He said, you really are talking stupid today. He used the word foolish. But here's what his comeback was. Though God slay me, I'm going to keep trusting him. Fast forward to the last book of Job. God looks upon the heart. He sees the earnest content he has in his heart to please God. He sees that nothing, neither height nor depth nor principalities, things present or things to come can change Job's mind. He's steadfast, unmovable. He's abounding in the grace of God, knowing that his race is not in vain. And he said, I'm not turning loose. I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in a towel. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. What happens to Job? God just turns the course. And he blesses him with twice as many kids. Twice as much wealth. 
You need to go to the book of Job if you're going through the fiery furnace called life. If you're going through things that just seem to keep you discouraged and down and out. If you're just going through some stuff that you just don't feel like is fair, go to the book of Job. Even three friends came to him that went to church with him that had sat on the same pew with him and said, boy, there's got to be some sin in your life. God would never punish you like this. And it just wasn't one day. They just came back day after day. Boy, if I was you, I'd do some soul searching. Job says, I, I did soul searching. I've done everything I know to do. And they would still say, shame on you. Shame on you. Oh, here's what we've got to, to, to uh, allow to flow through our lives today. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Condemning, condemning friends, condemning friends, friends that had gone with him every step of the way to church, to the, to the social gatherings, everywhere they'd been. But when it came to looking at Job's problem, boy, you're the problem. You're the problem. Shame on you. And Job came to a moment of decision in his life. He had to decide. Can I love these people? Can I love them? Or do I say to hell with them? And Job says, I'm not going to be moved by that fleshly thought. I'm going to pray for them. And if you'll follow the Bible real close, when Job prayed for these people, his world turned around. Complaining that it never moves the hand of God. Fault finding, bickering, Never moves the hand of God. But when you pray, not if, when you pray, changes take place. And many times the changes are inside of me. Sometimes I, I see things and I move a circumstances just like you are. But there's nothing like going into the holy place of God. In a type where my soul, man, I can just unload and I can say, God, I know this isn't fair. I've had about all I can handle. But you said if I would wait until you show up and you've never been late, I can mount up with wings as eagles. I can run and not be weary. And I can walk and not faint. So here I come, Lord. I'm not throwing in a towel. We may be in the fourth quarter, and the scoreboard may be discouraging, but I know how we end the story. We win. We win. We win. We win. As we look at the Scripture this morning, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Listen to me. Listen to me. He wants to sanctify us completely. He wants to sanctify our mind. He wants to allow our mind to begin to entertain wholesome thoughts. He wants our mind to begin to get a hold of things that will encourage and bless us so we can become a blessing. He wants to sanctify our mind so that these signs shall follow those that believe. Listen to me. We all bear fruit of some kind. And usually the fruit that we bear fruit of is a witness of what is living inside of all of us. We're fruit trees. Don't call, I'm not calling you fruity. I'm just telling you we're fruit trees. And we bear fruit. 
And sometimes our fruit that we bear, it comes because our, our spirit has been messed up. Somebody's cut us off. Somebody's done us wrong. Sometimes our, maybe it's our best friend has walked out on us. Maybe it's a discouraging moment when we just can't make ends meet. The checkbook won't balance. Listen, it's those times when you can just empty your soulish man, your mind, will, and emotion out before God and say, God, I don't have the answer, but greater is he that's within me. Lord, show up until you show up. I can't show off and listen when God's grace abounds when God shows up things changes things because you've did the very thing that the Bible says what sort of things you desire when you pray friend let me speak to the husbands this morning we need to spend more time praying for our wives and let me speak to the wives this morning how we desperately need your prayer today never before has there been a, such a challenge on the dads and the leadership of a home like there is today my my we need your prayer hon that we can be the man of god that god wants us to be that we can stand in the gap and be a witness to other people and other families where dad has walked out on the family and left at a single parent home or vice versa there's nothing that builds more confidence in a family than than the parents that know how to pray together we've we've got very lax in the second family we eat with shifts. We come to the kitchen. We buy, buy. We pick up a plate of food, and we keep going our separate way. Life just seems to be on a continuous flow. But listen to me. Make sure that you don't allow the swiftness of life to wipe away your prayer time because we need to know that what the Word says about prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of righteous people avails much, and God's waiting to see if you're going to pray over your children, over your grandchildren, over your marriage, over your finances. Greater is He that's within us. God wants to have a vessel that's sanctified so He can show off inside of you. Hallelujah. He he wants the world to say, I don't know how they're blessed like they are. I just fail to understand. Everything just seems to be working for them. Everybody's got challenges. Everybody's got things that they wish that belonged to somebody else. We sat in a conference this week, and we listened to Great speakers, great men of God, great men that had big titles, great men I've only seen on television until this conference. One of our speakers was raised in the same denomination that I'm credentialed with, the Assemblies of God. He's, he's known, you can see him five days a week, seven days a week on television, I guess, today. They've got churches around the world, but on this particular day, they were, we were having a panel discussion between three of our speakers and, and the uh, man who was leading the questions. And, and he said, I was raised in an Assembly of God home. My dad was an Assembly of God minister all of my life. And he said, at the age of 73, dad called me to his bedside and he said, son, I've got to unload on you. He said, I... I molested a young man early, a long time ago, and early in my ministry, I became a pedophile. And he said, I just had to unload the guilt. I just had to unload it on somebody. And he said, man, if you don't think it didn't take time and long with God to 
to process that and allow the forgiveness to flow toward my dad. He said, I'm telling you, it took a long time, but God finally set me free. I'm talking to somebody here this morning. You're trying to process something that's happened a long time ago. Why don't you just invite Jesus Christ into your life and allow him to take care of the situation? Maybe you've been molested early in life and you just haven't got your act together. I've got good news for you. God can allow the healing process to put your life together for he said I came to this world to set the captives free if you're in bondage this morning God wants you to know he sent his son he labored at three years in the ministry and then he died on the cross just to set you and me free and the Bible says he whom the son has set free is free indeed listen to me I want you to know today God is still in the prayer answering business today he just needs somebody to pray And pray for America, pray for our leadership, and pray for our churches that God will raise up a a church in this last hour that will say, don't, don't live the wages of sin is death. Don't live that way. Don't violate God's plan for your life. It'll never work. Get on the highway of holiness. Where are we this morning? Where are we this morning? Why are we needing help today? Because we live in a world that's upside down. And we're here this morning. God's granted us the privilege to be here. And there's only one entrance into his presence. There was only one entrance into the tabernacle. There was a gate that everybody had to go through to get into the tabernacle. There's one entrance into God's presence this morning. And it's a gate. He said, nobody can get there except through me. And the key that opens the door to you is to say, Jesus, I need your help. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Allow me to, for this day forward to be a follower of you because I want to, to live a life that will cause others to follow you. The carnal mind's response to God's is similar to the time that God spoke to Moses on the backside of the desert. You remember those days? Moses was on the backside of the desert hiding from the law. He had killed an Egyptian, and somebody saw him. He ran for his life, and on the backside of the desert for 40 years, he had been taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And God knew where he was at. He had his number, and one day God just ignited a bush. And and Moses realized the bush wasn't consumed by the fire. It just kept burning. And the longer Moses looked at it, the longer it kept burning. And and, And when God got Moses' attention, he said, Moses... I want to talk to you. God today will ignite a bush in your life. He will ignite something in your life to get your attention. It may be your challenges. It may be something you're running from. It may be something you want to shun, but God knows how to get all of our attention today. And he said, Moses, I've got an assignment for you. I want you to go back and I want you to lead my children from Pharaoh's bondage. I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Let's pause there for a moment. Who was God speaking to? Moses. Well, what had Moses done? He had murdered an Egyptian. Why was he on the backside of the desert? Because he was running from the FBI. And he wasn't rich. And moving on with that. And God's speaking to him. Notice here. I mean, he's not an elder in the church. He's a fugitive. 
the moral of the story is if God can use a fugitive, that's the reason he can use me. I've never killed anybody with a 357, but I've asked myself several times, isn't there more ways to kill a person than with a 357? What if I killed somebody's influence? Don't shout me down now. What, what if I had just reached down in somebody's waste paper basket and dug the, dug the trash up I knew on that person and I killed their influences? Would that be murder? Well, that's between us and God. Listen. Listen to me. God hasn't called us to be diggers in the trash can. He hasn't called us to be diggers of gold. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Can I ask you this morning, are you doing something that's contagious that will cause others to realize you're going fishing and I'm going with the real deal and I'm going to catch fish for God's sake? A true story. I visited a gentleman out of this church a few weeks ago. We rode down to this pond and I knew he had put his rod and reel in the back of the Four-wheeler, but I knew he wasn't a fisherman. He was a retired insurance man, executive. We go down to the pond. He gets his rod and reel out, and he makes your forecast. You can tell something's hitting the line. And inwardly, I'm saying, wonder how long this is going to last. You know, I'm not interested in fishing. Directly, he changed, pulls it back in. He tosses it the other way. And he started to work, work that lure. And it wasn't long before that line tightened and his bow just bent like this. And when he landed, it was about a th- four-pound bass, one of those big ones, hooked right in the jaw. I never, did, I never did tell Bill what I was thinking. But I can tell you one thing. There was a lesson that came home from me. If he had never put the rod and the reel in the four-wheeler, he had never tried and proven to me that anybody can catch fish. Now, he's got talents. They're just in a different field than that. You ever, ever have an insurance problem or somebody treating you bad, go talk to this gentleman. He knows insurance well. I'm not an insurance salesman, but I, I have a bad taste in my mouth for those people at times. In fact, I've had to draw closer to the Lord the past few weeks. In fact, I've found out these people don't tell the truth either. They tell you the check's in the mail, and after two weeks and that check doesn't arrive, I'm just like you. I start asking some questions, and then I start preaching over the phone, and it's not from Psalms 23. (laughs) Oh, I don't have to use swear word. I don't have to use God's name in vain. But afterwards... I hear this voice, what good did that do? My flesh said, yeah, it did me a lot of good. And then I think about what the Bible says, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. One more scripture, and then we're coming to a close today. Are you here this morning, and you're needing help? Let me answer that. We are all needing help today. We're all granted the privilege. There's only one interest to the tabernacle. In John chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus says, I'm the door. 
If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out, and he'll find pasture. What does that mean? It means he's going to take care of us. He's going to feed us when we're hungry. When we're hungry spiritually, he's going to be there to lead us in pastures. He, he'll lead us beside still waters when we thirst. In fact, in, fact, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 6, says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And today, I can boldly say Jesus is the only one that can save you. No other religious system is working today. There's only one person who has the power to forgive sins, and that's Jesus Christ. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. And that comes from John chapter 10, verse 1. There's no other way. There's no other way this morning. And Jesus wants you to know there's no other way. You'll never find contentment in and and eating at the table of the Lord one day and eating at the table of, 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 of the devil the next day. He's, Jesus says, if you're not for me, you're against me. There's no way you can drink from the table of the Lord today and partake of the sinful nature tomorrow and expect God to bless you. He will always love you. He loves us unconditionally. But here's what he wants you to know. He said, he that is not for me is against me. Right. What does that mean to you? Here's what it means to me. There's no gray areas. There's no in-between. He that is not for me is against me. I don't know about you, but these are, these are precious moments that God's giving us. Nothing's working today. America is in debt way over their head. Our economy is not good. People don't have jobs today. Crime is at an all-time high. Everything just seems to be upside down today. But can I say this? The church it's not upside down. It's right upside upside. It's right right side up because Jesus is Lord. And he said, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And today, we're here to lift up Jesus. Every one of us. Here, we're, we're, we're here, every one of us. We're here to lift up Jesus. And I just want you to be encouraged this morning. There's room. There's room. There's room at the cross for every one of us. There's room where we can boldly come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I close with this statement. If you're here this morning and you feel like you've just struck out, it just seems like, it just seems like you don't, there's no hope for you. I've got news for you. There is hope. It's written in the Word of God. It's given to us for hours like this. Jesus says, let, you, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. His mercy endures forever. He's been merciful so you could be here today. He's been merciful so he's, he, could give, he gives us all another opportunity today to say, Jesus, I want you Lord of my life. From this day forward, I want to do what James 4, 7 says. I want to submit my life to you. When I submit myself to you, I open my life for resistance so I can resist the wrong and do the right. Father, I thank you this morning for the awesome privilege you give us and these hours to stand up for one who came to this world born in a manger, born as a carpenter's son, spent 30 years preparing for a three-year ministry, crucified on a cross between two thieves, standing in the hall on trial day, 
the judge, Pilate, says, I find no fault in this man. And the crowd says, crucify him. And they led you to a tree. They, they required you to carry that cross to a place called Gothagotha's Hill. And there you bled and died for the sins of this world. I pray this morning, as we come to the climax of the morning service today, that each one of us would examine our own lives this morning. Are there things in our life that you can't bless that we're doing? Help us, Father. We confess of those shortcomings today. And we want to be in the place where you can not only bless us, but we want to be used. We want to be an example, Lord. This world is crying out for an example, Lord. Oh, God, may the blood of Jesus ever wash away my own transgressions, my own iniquities, so that I can be a greater witness than I've been in days gone by. Oh, God, anoint this house made of clay that I live in, Lord, with your, put your super on my natural, Lord, that I can finish the race that's set before us. Keep me focused on one who's the author, the finisher of our faith, one who's touched by the feeling of our infirmities, and one who's not slack concerning your promises. We give all the praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?